podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to today's episode of the 49ers Unrestricted Podcast. I'm Timmy Gibson, back with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. Daniel, congratulations on your successful marriage. Hope you had a great time celebrating that, and we are glad to have you back on the pod. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, after my wedding, I just got this crazy deep voice, and it's just stuck around since. Yeah, well, they say it changes you, right? So it makes sense. Yeah, it sure does. But you know what I didn't miss? I, while, while I was missed, while I missed being here, what I didn't miss was the Niners game. And I got to watch the Niners game. And boy, did I enjoy watching the Niners game. Because this has been an incredible start to the season uh, Timmy, I was taken back uh, just yesterday as I'm, I'm thinking about our podcast this morning. The last two years, so last season and the season before, we both complained, and I think I was adamant all season long about how it was a slow start to the season and it took us a while to get going, and that was very bothersome for me. That is not the case this year, and that is by far my favorite thing that they're rolling from the get-go, 4-0, this offense is cooking, and the defense is holding down the fort, and it's just so nice. It's just so nice, and I'm not even, like, yes, being 4-0 is amazing, but I just love that they got going right from the start. Yeah, I I agree, and I was not necessarily expecting to see that. The 49ers have obviously been no. one of the NFL's best teams the past couple seasons, but we've had slower starts and kind of had strong finishes. So I am really was really really glad to see that shift this season. I loved this game against the Cardinals. It was so much fun. I do think I need to apologize to one Mr. Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers. If you listened last week, I nitpicked him a little bit, thought he was a little inaccurate the week before. He was not this week. He did everything the 49ers needed him to do. He had one incompletion. He now holds the record for the best accuracy completion percentage in a 49ers game, continues his undefeated streak as a healthy starter, just a phenomenal, phenomenal Purdy performance. And a lot of those passes were short, but some of them were aggressive and attacking downfield as well. So Purdy really impressed me this week, and I apologize for the nitpicking, but I will keep nitpicking if it means he will keep playing like that. I don't know, Daniel. Purdy's performance, I thought, was the headline for the last game. Yeah, hard to say it's the headline when Christian McCaffrey gets every touchdown ever, but I'm with you where he was looking good. Um 20 for 21, 283 yards. That's an average of 14.2. Only one touchdown, but no interceptions. So all in all, a great day. Um, My hope, it's so hard, and I guess I just need to perspective change because I keep wanting to see him throw for – I want Purdy to have a big game. I want him to throw at least three – if not, I want to see four touchdowns. I want to see a big game 
just because I think that he is such a stellar quarterback, and I see other stellar quarterbacks throwing for more touchdowns. But we're we're a, a team that has such a great run offense with Christian McCaffrey, who had 106 yards and three touchdowns. So I, I need to not put it on Purdy why he doesn't have more passing touchdowns. One, he doesn't get enough opportunity to do that. And if they're in the goal line, if they're in the red zone, it is handed off to Christian McCaffrey, right? So there just needs to be a perspective change for me in that part. But I I do appreciate your apology to Mr. Purdy, and I think he does as well. Um, he has been a stud, and he deserves that recognition, right? So all in all, great, great day, great game for him. Got a rushing touchdown at the end of the game. Part of me is like, come on, let Christian get five. Let him get that fifth one. Uh, but cool to see Purdy get that one. I know, I, I feel like he's had one before, but nice to see him add to that stat sheet. Um, it's what's really nice, and I guess it might, uh, okay, I have to save it. I wanted to talk about the Niners finally getting their their league recognition, but I think that, I think that conversation should wait until we kind of get to the next matchup. Yeah, um, I, I I agree. There is a little bit of of league recognition that, that needs to happen. Well, yeah. Well, my only thing is that I think it has started to happen. I still think it's too too late in a sense where it just should have happened even last year. I know they you know didn't go win the Super Bowl, um, but they've absolutely demanded and earned every reason to to be known as one of, if not the best team in the NFL. So we'll we'll continue that with our next matchup. But let's break down this game this lovely game in which the Niners got another win so uh no notable in well no serious injuries but just a couple of guys are a little banged up we know yeah, that Debo Samuel was questionable and it still is Debo battling some knee injuries and rib injuries I believe mm-hmm. I heard it was the knee injury that was the most limiting which is fitting for what you typically see from NFL guys. These guys are incredibly tough, and generally the narrative I hear around a rib injury is it hurts like heck, but we'll play through it. And a knee injury is obviously one you you worry a bit more about re-injuring and potentially limiting you out on the field. But once the adrenaline gets going with a with a rib injury, guys will will often play through those. So that makes sense to me that the knee issue was the most limiting for Debo. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. That was quite the crack there. Uh, Elijah Mitchell as well knee injury did not practice Wednesday Jawan Jennings his shin he was a limited participant on Wednesday Dre Greenlaw did not practice Wednesday with his ankle injury and Charvarius Ward uh, was a non-participant on Wednesday's practice because of his heel so make sure we look at today who's in practices um, and then read the news for uh, on Friday and Saturday for Sunday yeah, I agree. It's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, the health bug has always bit the 49ers. Obviously, this is not as severe as it has been in years past, but it is still obviously concerning. So something something to keep an eye on. Cornerback depth continues to concern me. I continue to feel like I see the 49ers making a trade there before the trade deadline. I don't know why. That just feels to me like the move the team might make. But yeah. Want to want to talk about some highlights in the offensive side of the ball? Christian McCaffrey continues to be the best player in the NFL. I mean, that was incredible. Do you see Trent Williams's? 
I don't know if it was his press conference or just some quotes I saw after the game, I assume from his press conference. Trent pretty much said he's like, he he didn't know Christian McCaffrey was as good as he was when he was in Carolina. He's like, I knew he was good, but and I saw him do things that like a conventional running back can do and he did them well, but I did not realize how good of a running back or a non-conventional running back he can also be until he was on my team. And I just see him do these crazy, crazy things. And I'm like, this is the best running back in the game. Um, and I just thought it was funny where Trent didn't, you know, necessarily take a lot of interest in him. That's fine. He's on another team. He's offensive tackle. He's not too concerned or worried about him. But now he's just like baffled <laughs> about him. And I'm like, that's, we are too. That's really cool. Um, Another friend of mine was uh, talking about every time I, I remember that Christian McCaffrey is on the Niners, I kind of have to do a double take. One, because I like it feels like he's been there forever because it just feels so right, but it's still really new, first full season. And he's like, it's, it's just the, it's the most perfect fit. You know, we talked about how last year and two years ago, we talked about how Debo is the perfect fit because he's the hybrid. He can do it all. Kyle Shanahan loves that. I'm like, he does love that, but also he loves a running back who can do it all and do it so stinking well as well. So absolutely, Chris McCaffrey was the highlight of this game, a massive highlight, one of the highlights of the, the entire week for all teams. Um, Timmy, is there any any doubt in your mind that Chris McCaffrey will most likely be the offensive player of the year? But where do his uh, MVP chances stand in the balance of this? Because I can't tell you the last time an MVP wasn't a quarterback. It probably I, wasn't as far back as I think it is. I believe it was Adrian Peterson. I think he won an MVP, right? Was that 2012? Like yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think Offensive Player of the Year, if he keeps playing like this, it's not even a question. And I think, I mean, we are not the ones starting this conversation, right? The the CMC for MVP conversation, yes, 2012, Adrian Peterson, the last non-quarterback. LaDainian Tomlinson won it in 20, 2006 as well. Marshall Falk in 2000, Sean Alexander in 05. But yeah, it has been a quarterback award for a long time, and it's been a really long time, obviously, since anyone but a quarterback has pulled in that award. I, I think McCaffrey is having the best chance to win it in a very long time. I think it's a serious conversation, and I, I think if he continues playing like this, it will it will continue. We're not, obviously not starting that conversation. It's going around everywhere. I, I think it is a legitimate chance if he continues to produce at this level. Um, a couple of just crazy highlights. You saw the hurdle, right? I mean, that was amazing. Huh. So nice. That was Hurdles are so fun. They just always look so sick. Um, that was a great play. And then here's a stat for you, Daniel. Christian McCaffrey caught seven passes in that game. Every single catch he took for either a first down or a touchdown. We love that. He's unstoppable. And I think the the, the final wrinkle is something we've talked about and what you kind of touched on is it allows Shanahan to call the offense he wants to call. This dude is Shanahan is in his bag right now, and Christian McCaffrey is a major reason that he's able to run run his offense the way he wants. So I I, I think it's really really impressive what McCaffrey's doing, and I think MVP should absolutely be on the table if he continues to produce at this level. I don't know that it will be, but he's playing so well, it it very well might might happen. 
I don't remember what game it was. It wasn't just this last week, so maybe it was versus the Giants, but it could could have even been a little further back in the start of the season. Um, One of the announcers, I want to say it was Troy Aikman, but that doesn't sound right, was talking about Brock Purdy and how he is like the quarterback Kyle Shanahan has been waiting for. And my like gut reaction disagreed not for like it had nothing to do with Brock Purdy's skill but it had everything to do with I just don't know if if Brock is that style of quarterback that Kyle like dreams of I do believe Trey Lance's style of being a quarterback was more fitting to what Kyle wanted Trey just wasn't it quite literally just wasn't good enough in that style or in any style. I think Kyle really would love to have a, a quarterback who can confidently run and and use him as a weapon, but it's unnecessary when you have Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and then like a true wideout in Brandon Ayuk, oh, and George Kittle. So I just was thinking, I'm like, I don't know if Brock Purdy is like the dream quarterback for Kyle Shanahan's scheme, but he's he's... He's like he's a new and improved Jimmy Garoppolo in the sense of he's accurate, he can throw further, he makes better decisions. That's what I love is that Brock Purdy makes better decisions. Can like can you think I know I'm putting you on the spot, but can you think of a time where this season Brock has made like a horrible decision, especially one that has cost us as much as Jimmy's did? Cuz I couldn't. I spent no. some time yesterday thinking and I could not. I, I don't think so, and I, I think you're right. I think the decision making is a is a huge is a huge factor for for Kyle. And I I wonder if he was like I mean I think did RG three say somewhere like I think the quote was something like he realized like wait the old software is still really really good. Like I wonder if he just kind of uh, he just kind of of realized like oh it wasn't actually that my idea of this kind of quarterback didn't work I just hadn't found the right guy yet and I mean Purdy has not thrown an interception all year David Lombardi in his preview of the Cowboys matchup at over at the athletic we obviously love Lombardi's work David Lombardi if you ever want to come on the pod I would love to just bash the 49ers fans in your replies with you you're an all-time uh, clapback guy but anyway uh David Lombardi talked about how Brock Purdy in his entire career has not had a negative game in EPA per play. He has been above average his entire career. I think you just have to take out the the playoff game against the Eagles where he where he injured his elbow. I'm going to try to pull up that piece cuz these stats were crazy. They were absolutely yeah. insane. So, I'm I would gonna, take out okay, the I got game. it. So, EPA per play is obviously Expected points added. It's a bunch of complicated math that I don't understand. But he he tracked all these things. He tracked EPA per play, completion percentage over expectation, and QBR quarterback rating. He has been above average in all in EPA per play in every game he has started. To the point where David Lombardi had to change the color grading in his chart because normally dark blue is good, and he had to add a teal because Purdy is, was so good against the Cardinals. Completion percentage over expectation. There were two games where he was below average in that so that's one and then QBR he's been above average every single game so I 
I have been guilty of this, but I'm not sure that I can talk about Purdy as an average guy getting lifted by Shanahan's offense anymore. Obviously, we've seen Shanahan's offense lift quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, but none of them have done what Purdy is doing. Maybe some of that is McCaffrey. Maybe. I think you could argue that. But we've had a lot of guys who came in with the moniker of like average guy who can make the right decisions, who did fine, who did well. None of them were doing this. Something is special about Brock Purdy. I have been hesitant to say that, and I don't think I am anymore. This guy is something special. I don't know what it is, but he's got something, and it is fun to watch. I love how long it took us to kind of get there and not, I mean, just as well as so many fans, but that's just where so many (laughs) just, yeah, we could could talk forever about, I, I take it, too personally when people don't give the Niners the respect they deserve and and that's something that has always got me even with specific players as well um I I wonder if it's just this area you know people have always given the Warriors the respect they deserve they just don't like them if they're not a Warriors fan um same thing with the Giants especially in their World Series era but I feel like the 49ers are always the team in any sport in this area that just they're like nah you know they're winning games, but they're not that good, or they're not that good. I'm like, what more do they got to? What more do they got to do? And that's what that's what we'll get to. But any other highlights on offense? We have to say, good game, Brandon Ayuk with six receptions for 148 yards. That's an average so, of 24.7. Yeah. So here's a stat I read. I'm gonna. I saw somewhere that Brandon Ayuk every catch he's had this season has been a first down or a touchdown. I'm trying to find out if that's still true, but. That's insane. It it truly is. I mean, it has to. I assume it has to have been continued after this game, where he had six receptions I mean, for 148 we, yards, a long of 42. We've been saying this all week, right? But Brandon Ayuk is uh, is the 49ers wide receiver one. It, you can't you can't talk about anything else anymore. The way he's playing is incredible. I did see over the weekend. I saw on Twitter the video of. Ayuk being told by John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan that he was getting drafted by the 49ers. Did you see this? Because it was very sweet. I'm sure I did years ago, but I couldn't quite remember it now. It was the it was the COVID draft year, so he's he's like FaceTiming um, but it was just really like really positive. He was so excited. Very funny. He called John Lynch coach, and then John Lynch kind of subtly was like, All right, here's our head coach, Kyle Shanahan. And I was like, way to save him, John. Way to save him. Um <laughs> But it was just really it was really positive. They were telling him, Hey, we wanted to take you earlier, but the D tackle we wanted fell, but we were so glad we were able to come up and get you. He was so excited. Just I don't know, little moments like that are always fun to see. So I, I really like BA. I'm really glad we got him on the team. I'm terrified that we won't have him that much longer. I just don't know if the team can continue to do this salary cap wizardry, and I worry he might be the one that they... They decide to to send away, but I'm really really optimistic they can pull him off, pull off keeping him around. But regardless, it is so fun to have him this season. He has been obviously an incredible asset for the 49ers, and just has really really started to assert himself as one of this league's elite receivers. And I think you probably would have done that a while ago on a different team, but there's just there's so many mouths to feed on the 49ers. He's he's filled his role, and he has just stepped up with every single challenge the team has presented him with. And I'm, I just I'm I'm constantly impressed with Ayuk. He's such a good route runner, such a good receiver, and Purdy has obviously allowed him to really really step up in the receiving game. Did you know 
that the 49ers, this is according to Pro Football Focus, um, the 49ers have the highest graded player at four different positions. Ooh, can I try? Can I try? You can. Left tackle, running back, middle linebacker, and edge rusher. Or actually defensive tackle. So you would be so correct, except for, and I was almost going to ask you to guess their grades, but that'd be really tough. I, th- I mean, they're not Madden ratings, and so my brain always thinks Madden ratings because they've got uh, left tackle, as you said, Trent Williams, at 88.8. Like That's the highest graded tackle, offensive tackle. And I'm like, okay, 88.8? That seems low. Like That's not a Madden ranking, so I got to – I got to switch that. Christian McCaffrey, running back, 84.8. Yeah, they do call it edge rusher Nick Bosa, 93.8. And I was with you on the middle linebacker. I would have said that same thing. But it is Brandon Ayuk, highest graded wide receiver at 93.5. Wow. You know, I I thought there was a chance that was the case. I just didn't want to... uh... I I didn't want to like change that, you know. I I didn't want to. I wouldn't have guessed it if we hadn't just been talking about Ayuk. So it felt kind of like a cheat code to go straight to him. Yeah. Um, it it's just bonkers to me. I mean, that is unreal. That he is the highest graded. Like that's awesome. I just he's had such a good strong start to the season. I mean, he is getting the ball tons. So. Yeah, I want to I want to get into our nitpicking because I love how well Ayuk is doing. Um but there's some other things in the offense that are that are giving me some frustrations, but let's quickly talk about this defense real quick. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw both had 10 total tackles, 8 solo tackles. There was not an interception on this defense. Uh Sean Gibson was involved in some tackles, had 5 total, only one solo. Talanoa Hufunga had five total tackles and four solo tackles, as well as Diamador Lenore and Isaiah Oliver. So there's a number of guys really being the ones to make some of these big tackles. Um, <laughs> I feel real bad because Timmy and I were talking about this name earlier. We did not recognize it. That is Kendall Sheffield. He is a DB. We, he was playing cornerback for us, I believe. He came in from the practice squad this last week. I think he was on the Texans last season. Um, but he had three tackles and one tackle for a loss. Just wasn't a name that I had originally recognized. Um, fun to see Jair Brown on the stat sheet getting being a part of a tackle. Same thing with uh, Braden Willis. <laughs> and uh, D. Winters as well. Just loving seeing some of these younger guys get in on this stat sheet as well. I'm excited for their playing time too expand at some point hopefully in the season or in a blowout win get them some more playing time but um to me any notable notable uh players of the game on the defensive side of the ball for you not no no one jumps out to me once again we only had one well there's one name and it's the one guy on the team who had a sack javon hargrave uh, continuing to just justify the 49ers' investment for him in free agency. He's constantly in the, the defensive backfield. Played really, really well. Um, very, very happy to see 
to to see his performance. Would like to see the sacks go up around all around, but the team keeps winning, keeps winning handily. You know, if that means the the defense is getting rid of the ball quick, that's that's totally fine. But I was I was definitely impressed with. I continue to be impressed with Hargrave. So that's probably my name that that really jumps out to me. I don't know. What about you, Daniel? Who stuck out? I was just going to ask, are, are our expectations like through the roof? Because I, too, am like, hey, where are these sacks? Like with this defensive line, I know Josh Dobbs is a little quick guy, but we should be getting more than one sack with this defensive line. Um, I don't know. I, I think that I just expect Bosa to have two every single game because he does it so often. And then I'm like, okay, Armstead and Hargrave, like, you're, you should be getting that one every game as well. I'm like, I know that's not realistic, but one sack against the Cardinals, that was a little shocking. Did um, you see Alex, Armstead's complaint about Daniel Jones? Yes, it was very funny. Our, Eric Armstead said, hey, how come he got the ball out so quick against us? He kept getting sacked the week before, and then when we come, he keeps throwing the ball away. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. It's, it's something to talk about. Not just because, like, and I don't mean that in the way of, like, this team's so good. We need to find something to talk about. I mean, it's worth pointing out. It's worth looking at. We obviously want more sacks. Obviously, historically, we've had more sacks. Nick Bosa's not winning Defensive Player of the Year without more sacks, even though he's PFF's highest-graded edge rusher, right? So we need those sacks to come, and I, I think they will. I think it's probably just guys are getting the ball out so quickly. So that's something where we almost want to see the secondary and the secondary continue to just blanket guys so that the ball can't get out quickly. I, I think the sacks will come, but definitely I would have expected to see see more my Dow. Daniel, I don't know if you listened to my defensive nitpick last week, but I'm, I'm curious if you have thoughts on something I didn't realize was happening and noticed last week. Did you know Steve Wilkes is coaching from the booth this season? Yes, I did. Have we have we talked about that? I'm curious what you obviously this defense is playing incredible, so it's not a big deal. But I'm I'm curious your thoughts on Wilkes calling from the booth as opposed to Sala and Ryan's you know being on the sidelines. I I certainly do not have a problem with it. The only thing that I miss the most, I would say, like the my only true feelings towards it are. Like Robert Sala was one of my favorite guys. Like I like Kyle, but I like Robert way more in the terms of I like Robert's energy. I just loved him on the sidelines. And then I also loved Ryan's on the sidelines as well. I loved their energies. I loved who those guys are. And their energy on the sideline I think was so important. And I loved watching them um, greet Fred Warner, whoever it was, after making a sick play. Now – I don't know the age gap between Steve Wilkes, Robert Sala, and Demeca Ryans, but I think Steve Wilkes has some years on him. Quite literally, I'm only saying that because he's got some white in his beard, and that's more than Robert or Ryans has. Um, but if that's how he wants to do it, that's how he's going to do it, and I'm fine with that. I don't have a problem with that. I think I just miss the energy on the sideline, and if he feels that's where he can read an offense better and call it, then by all means, do it. Um, I personally, if I was a defensive coordinator, I probably would want to have an overhead view as well and be able to watch from up top. I would really like to be there on the sideline, but I think that view advantage and maybe, maybe it also helps Wilkes pay attention being a little more secluded. Like I get that. I, that would be a huge thing for me. Um, I would get distracted on the sideline or I, there's just a lot of moving pieces. Maybe my emotion would get in the way more. I think being in the booth, it's kind of like, 
not a veteran move because they're all veteran, but like, I don't want to call Steve Wilkes old either. I was going to say old like, school. Old. I was going to say an old guy move. I would say old school. I think, you know, Sala and Ryan's probably loved being on, on the sideline and being a part of that. I bet Wilkes, you know, he's had his time. He's been a head coach. He's like, this is where it's actually. Um, yeah, and I, I, I agree. I mean, this is nitpicking, right? I mean, I've transitioned us into nitpicking. But I wonder if there's a chance. Like, do you think it could have an effect on the um, the emotion the defense plays with? Obviously, this is a team that is just constantly flying around, playing at a high level of energy, really, really emotional defense. And I just wonder if not having that energetic leader on the sideline could be affecting things. But then I come back to, like, Fred Warner is going to be bringing that energy on the sideline regardless. That so was my probably, exact thought. It's probably not an issue, but it just it keeps kind of yep. jumping out to me as like, should we be worried about this? As as you were talking, I had I just envisioned Steve Wilkes being up there, and you know maybe the guys are kind of bummed because Robert Sala and Demeca Ryan's were down there, and it, it it could be fixed with just a conversation. Steve Wilkes could say, "This is where I do best, and this is how it's going to go." Just because I'm not there doesn't mean I'm not cheering you on and celebrating with you. But he could also pull his defensive captains aside and say, "This is your job." Like, Fred, what Robert, Sala, and Demeca Ryans did for you, you go do for the rest of the team. Like, that's what that's what the deal is. Um, or he could, you know, talk to assistant defensive coordinator. Hey, be, be the energy guy out there, whatever whatever it is. Um, and, and I really respect Steve Wilkes. So I, I think that he has thought about that and has handled that well. I just wish we, we got an inside scoop to that um, to that conversation or how that broke down. So... Um, can I throw in my, my nitpicking? Yes, please. It's hard when we have such a good game, five touchdowns. I love it. So six targets to Brandon Ayuk, six receptions for 184 yards. Um, Christian McCaffrey had 20 rushing attempts and the next guy, Jordan Mason had three Debo Samuel had three. So yet again, and Elijah Mitchell, was he inactive? I don't think he was inactive. I thought he was injured. I thought he banged up his yeah. knee in practice and wasn't able to go. Okay, I don't, I don't remember him not being able to go, but even if our, I get I get if Mitchell's not there, giving more workload to Chris McCaffrey, but still, I almost want to see a game where Chris McCaffrey gets less than 20 attempts just so we are managing his workload, I guess. But he's doing so well, so of course I don't want to see that dip. But we've we've just got other guys that can do some do some damage as well, and so I just it'll make me feel better, and that's what it's about. Um, eight targets, seven receptions to Christian McCaffrey. Next is two targets to Ray Ray McLeod. My what I just don't understand is why in the world Debo Samuel was not targeted one single time, and why George Kittle was targeted a one time. Willie freaking Sneed was targeted one time. They had identical numbers. Willie Sneed and George Kittle. One reception, or one target, one reception, nine yards. I'm all for George Kittle being a blocker, and I'm for Debo Samuel run plays. But can we try to throw them the ball? I know Brock only tried to throw it 21 times and completed 20, and uh, 18 of those 21 targets went to Ayuk and McCaffrey, and I love that. But one, for the sake of my fantasy teams, throw the ball to Debo and George. But also, I just I want to get them involved t- 
too. I love George Kittle is such a big part of this 49ers team, and I feel like this year he hasn't been as much. And, of course, he has been in the locker room, just things we don't see. But literally on Sundays, I miss seeing George Kittle or I miss seeing a Brandon IU, or sorry, a Debo Samuel play uh, reception. But the one thing I also have nitpicking with Debo is I feel like I'll have to go back and look. I'll, I'll do that for next week. But I have to go back and look at his targets to receptions. But I feel like Debo has been dropping the ball or not getting to the ball. And I also feel like when uh, this last week against the Cardinals, when they're setting him in motion – and the ball is not going to him, he does not fake it hard enough whatsoever. Like, it's pretty obvious it's not going to him, and he's just going through the motion, and that bothers me. You know, uh, if if you're a big NFL fan and you see what's going on with other teams, Chase Claypool is a joke. He's made a mockery of the Chicago Bears wide receiver room. Because Mapletron. He gives up. Have you seen that this video where in the first three weeks of the season, somebody compiled all the plays he's been on? And he gives up every play, and he refuses to go block. I'm a Chase Claypool it's, believer. Not gonna lie. Oh, oh that's unreal. He's I such a talented dude, man. More. He's one and of he like four players to test at his level of athleticism at the NFL Combine. Get me Claypool on the 49ers, dude. No, I would be so upset. He's so would, good. He be, just needs a new environment. He needs a new environment. He there was he did the similar thing on the Steelers. I just think this he's a young kid with a massive ego and I don't I've want to. I've got him in fantasy and I'm holding. Let's put it that way. Oh, in dynasty. It in better, dynasty. I was gonna say it better be a dynasty team. Good lord. Yeah. I is that our league? It very well might be. I think he had he I'm had four sure. touchdowns his rookie year, man. I, and I'm pretty Maple sure Trump. I had him that year and traded him to you. Probably. Dude, he <laughs> Probably. trademarked the nickname Mapletron. I just I have zero respect for him. If he's giving up on plays and he's like in the middle of a play, he like dodges a block, that's despicable. For the, for the record, I'm like I'm mostly I am mostly messing with you. I'm just I know. I absolutely amused. know. But I, I do so, like I do think he's talented. We're we're moving on. I can't even believe I've given him this much time or focus. He doesn't deserve it. But Chase Claypool, baby. I'm upset that that Debo Samuel wasn't even targeted once and that Kittle and him aren't in the offense more. And if that's what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. I bet George Kittle, I just pictured him like, I don't know how he's not getting frustrated by not getting the ball like week after week very much. But, you know, I bet you George Kittle has the best attitude and is loving being on the field and blocking. I don't know him personally, but I feel like I do from all the videos I've watched. And he is just... He loves to block. I, I think I shared this after week two. Like, George Kittle gets me fired up to just go live some random Tuesday and do it well because he has such a good attitude and positivity to him. Have you seen that? I wish I, wish I could George tell him Kittle, that, Mike. Have you seen the George Kittle Little Caesars commercial? I love it. I think have so. Have you seen this? It's very funny. It's him and is it like Cam Jordan on the Saints and Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do love that Very one. Fun. Very fun. Those are three awesome guys. So, yeah. that's my nitpicking. Timmy, any other nitpicking for you? No, I don't I don't have any from this game other than I think I agree with you. I'd like to see Kittle get the ball. I think he might this week. Um, but it's it's time to get to get Kittle moving. Um, yeah. That's all I got, too. Yeah, I got a question off of that 
that heads into our next week. But let me first start us off real quick with some Kawafunga. Sorry, Kawafunga. Are you kidding me? Botched it. Kawafunga, Hawabunga. Hawafunga. Hufunga, Kawabunga. Man, I botched it. Um, Five total tackles, four solo tackles. Nothing else on the stat sheet, but again, he's just always at the ball at the end of the play. He had some big hits, but what we haven't talked about yet, and did you, I'm sure you have seen if you've oh, been on I've any seen. kind of media. I was I had James Conner in fantasy in the first few years of his Pittsburgh days, and I've always liked him, and I now am, hate him. I now hate him for going after my boy Talanoa Hufunga. I don't even know, like, James Conner was just hot all game. He took exception to a tackle early on in the game, and he was just fired up all game. But I have not seen, I could not find a video that gave us, it was just the short clip of them talking, and then I'm going to tell you my view of it, and you can tell me yours. They're going at it, they're talking. I have no idea about what, and James Conner, Puts two fingers into Talanoa Hufunga's face, but looking like he's trying to put his fingers in his mouth. And that was, is all the context odd. I have. It was odd. One of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Hufunga handled so, it well, too. He just kind of, I think Kittle kind of broke up the fight. And then afterwards, he was like, yeah, I don't know what was going on. Like, he's a good guy. Like, sometimes we get caught up in the emotions. Like, and then he said something like, normally I, I see him out there, but I didn't really see him this week or something like that. Then called it. Oh, did, about James Conner? Yeah, yeah, it was a good quote. I'll I'll find it. It was it was well, like a very like very professional buttoned up quote with just a subtle little dig at the end. Yeah, I guess he only had the ball eleven times, fifty two yards, so it was a good dig. <laughs> yeah, let me but let me find I, it. I, I got no idea what the heck was going on. And I just know that if you are if you are in any scenario, if you're beefing with someone and your first move is t- is to put your hand in their face with the intent of putting two fingers in their mouth? I don't get it. Like, Yeah, it's a move. <laughs> so here's the, here's the full quote from Hufunga. Yeah, my man came up to me. It's all good, though. It's all respect at the end of the day. It's love for the game, but it wasn't my thing. He just wanted to show me something. I honestly don't know what he was trying to show me. He only ran for 52 yards, so I don't know what he, what he was really on, but told him we'll see him next time again. Took the L today, but they'll be good. Yeah, I just I want to know. I've I've looked. I cannot find anyone that has found even a clip earlier than like the two seconds before he tries to put his fingers in his mouth. I, I feel weird saying that every time, just because it, it makes me uncomfortable watching that. Like James, what are you doing? You're on national TV. I know the game's over, but <laughs> it's just such a weird thing. And yeah, Hufunga handled it well. Um, Kittle getting in there, and if you watch the video, there I saw like a slow mo or just a close up version. And George is just like looking back at James Conner like sideways, like, "What are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing?" I think he saw him like try to. Try it to is always like, face. like I don't really understand the fighting after a game where you just got handled like that. I don't know. Just frustrations boil over is all I can think of. But hey, that I think that puts a wrap on our Cardinals game, and let us get to the upcoming game Sunday Night Football. Niners and Cowboys. Are we home or away? We're home. Yeah. Are we home? Sunday oh, night football. It's going to be such yeah. a good game to be at. So good. I, I kind of like when they play in Dallas, so hoping that they stand on the star and do something. St- that know, is always ones. fun 
to stand on the star. It's fun. Um, so my question of what I wanted to ask about when we were just talking about our nitpicking earlier, because we haven't played. I mean, I would say this is our toughest opponent yet, right? We played, excuse me, the Steelers week one away, played the Rams at Levi's South, which was potentially a, a much more challenging game than we had thought. Then we played the Giants at home and the Cardinals at home. We're home against the Cowboys, and I think this is easily uh, the most, on paper, the most challenging game for the Niners. Um I just hope we get the playoff Cowboys where they try to put Ezekiel Elliott as the center and block. And I just love that, that kind of play calling. I would love to see more of that. You mean the greatest NFL play of all time? Yes. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, legendary Cowboy. His last snap with the Cowboys is that play. Unreal. But is this going to be a game in your opinion where we see Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk dominate the targets and, every aspect of the offense or is this going to be a game where it's going to be a little bit different because it's, it's been a very similar offensive scheme all year, maybe yeah. different play to play, but the offensive scheme is get Brandon Ayuk the ball as much as we can um, in the passing game and then hand it off to Christian McCaffrey or dump it off to him and let him get every touchdown ever. Yeah. I mean, I see so, no reason to move away from that. I was reading David Lombardi's, I, as you can tell, I read a lot of his stuff preview for the game and he was pointing out that, Kittle might get a little more involved this week. He was against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Cowboys run a lot of cover one, so that allows Kittle yep. to, to get man-on-man, man, obviously, and, and get open. So that's something to keep an eye on. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I, I feel like we will continue to lean on McCaffrey, maybe even more, because we've talked about how we need to kind of rest up McCaffrey in some of these less important games. This is a very important game. This is a game that could, by the end of this, this could be an NFC Championship match, right? Like, this is a huge game. So... I, I really could expect McCaffrey expect McCaffrey to get some to get the bulk of the work and even though they see it coming I mean everyone knows McCaffrey's going to get the ball and so far no one's been able to stop him so yeah. I don't know why that would change Yeah I can't quite tell which way I want to go of it's either going to be a very similar game where McCaffrey and Ayuk are, are the the 80% bulk hitters for the offense and they get it done or the Cowboys defense is going to focus on that um and then we see Kittle get more involved, or maybe Debo, or maybe it's even someone um, like a Jawan Jennings or a Ronnie Bell comes in and does something big where we get really crafty. I, I don't know. I um, do really – I feel like – I mean, this was my bold prediction last week, which was wrong, but I feel like Ronnie Bell's big, big moment is coming. I feel like there's going to be a Ronnie Bell game this season. I don't know if it's this one, but there there will be a Ronnie Bell game. Mark my words. I, be- I believe that there will at least be a, a one game where it's like, oh, that was the Ronnie Bell game. I'm I'm in on that. Um, yeah, but I I just think um, I was torn. I was torn um, with w- which way to go in terms of does it look any different? I think it will look pretty similar for the most part. But I do think, as you said, Kittle will be more involved as he was against him in the playoffs. He normally is. Um, I think a lot of that will be because – Anytime that Mark, uh, Marka, Micah Parsons is on the rush, I think that Kittle will be a little more available and he'll get some quick short throws in those those moments. Um, but I also am just curious to see, is this the game where everybody gets fed a little more evenly? Because I bet the Cowboys are going to make sure they do their best, and it won't be enough, but do their best to cover Christian McCaffrey 
and do their best to cover Brandon Ayuk. And so that leaves Debo and George as wide open targets. Um, something to note is Trayvon Diggs, their star cornerback, is is out for the year. I believe he tore his ACL a couple weeks ago. Yeah, tore his ACL um, during practice. Bummer. So I'm sure it was a non-contact movement as well. I didn't see a video or anything. Well, um, they did not say non-contact injury. I don't know if more news ever came out, but the the statement didn't say non-contact, which at least some people on Twitter were like, well, normally they say non-contact when it's non-contact. So who knows? Yeah, normally very, they do. Such a bummer. Such a bummer. Trayvon Diggs, really, really exciting player. Very adorable kid from Hard Knocks a couple seasons ago. Hope he's hope he gets back to, to full health. But I will be grateful that he's not on the field against the 49ers. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, so Leighton Vander Esch is is one of their other big defensive guys. Someone named uh, Micah M- Micah Parsons is that how you say it? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you mean the NFL's most elite and versatile defensive player, Micah Parsons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let let's let's spend some time talking about him. What do we? I don't even know what to ask. How do we feel? How do we stop him? What do we think is going to happen? <laughs> Fill in the blank. Uh, I don't know that we stop him. I think we avoid him. I mean, Parsons is an incredible pass rusher. I think this is a game where you scheme up ways to stay away from him. Some other really good pass rushers on the Cowboys as well, but none none are as good as Parsons. And, I mean, he's good in pass coverage as well. He's technically an outside linebacker, and you, you, you he can play there. He's at his most dangerous rushing the, rushing the passer. Pat rushing the passer but there's nothing that that he can't he can't do on the defensive side of the football so I don't know that you stop him I think you avoid him I think you have guys chip blocking I think you run the offense away from wherever he happens to line up and you just hope that Brock Purdy can get the ball out quickly which by all accounts he can so yeah I don't know that part Michael Parsons is a guy you stop I think he's a guy you avoid yeah and I mean so like by avoid, I see a lot of because he, he roams. That's what's hard is he he's not always in one specific spot, so it makes it challenging for the offense. But I think that there will be a lot of offensive plays designed to just be away from him, as you said. I think Purdy's going to be getting that ball out quick. Um, but Parsons really is, as you said, he's the most versatile defensive player in the NFL, hands down. Um versatile you know we said he's elite there's conversation of who's better him or bosa um bosa might be the better edge rusher but parsons has he's like the debo samuel of defense right i know we talked about i think we did on the pod i don't know if it was just you and i personally talked about isaiah simmons uh weeks ago where that's who he was in college simmons played absolutely everywhere and parsons kind of does that except he doesn't you know go out into the secondary like simmons did and Simmons stunk and left the Cardinals to go to the Giants for like a seventh round pick. And it was just a, a kind of a failed thing. But Parsons plays linebacker edge out wide against receivers. And he does it all well. And that, I mean, I think the Debo Samuel of the defense is a great analogy or a great comparison for him where he just does it all. And it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to do that one for him, but it's really hard to, as an offense, um, focus away from that or do anything with that. So um, I expect, as you said, us to avoid him as much as we can. I expect him to be involved. And if if their defense does anything big, I, I would assume crediting him. 
Um, I can't think of a lot of other guys on their defense. Um, is it Dexter Lawrence? Demarcus Lawrence, right? Dexter Lawrence is on the Giants. Demarcus Lawrence is their true edge, I believe. Um, but he, I can't even tell you if he's healthy or not good to go, but I know that this, so we look at last week, this Cowboys offense put up 38 points on the Patriots. They won 38 to three. So, um, on their defense, we talked about Leighton Van Der Esch, one of their primary linebackers, and then Micah Parsons, obviously. Uh, they do have now older cornerback Stephon Gilmore. Um, they have Dante Fowler and uh, Demarcus Lawrence. So those are some of their, their more notable players on defense. Um, and we look at their offense where Dak Prescott threw the ball 34 times, only had one touchdown, 261 yards, and was sacked three times. Um, it's not a crazy game from him, especially with that much volume in the air. Um, but the, the Cowboys have an incredible offensive line. I believe it's in, it's pretty injured right now. Um, Timmy, do you know, is Zach Martin healthy? I can, I can look this up real quick. I am not sure. Let me, let me look. I'm pulling it up, but Zach Martin is there. So he is questionable on October 4th. He was questionable. His thigh um, is the injury. So he did uh, He did not practice Wednesday. But Zach Martin is their incredible guard. Now I'm seeing Tyron Smith fine, did not practice yeah. Wednesday. Okay. Tyron Smith has a knee injury, did not practice. Their safety, Malik Hooker, was limited. Uh, even Micah Parsons was limited. I assume he'll play. Um, but th- they have a very good offensive line. Zach Martin is is the biggest one there. Tyron Smith, and then I believe I want to say it's Tyler Smith is their young guy. Um, there's one more I can't I can't picture. Um, but they have a really good offensive line. So, um, dude, this is unreal. I'm just looking at their stats from their game versus the Patriots, and they handed the ball off to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different people. I guess not hand the ball off. Dak Prescott had one attempt. Cooper Rush had three, and two of those were Neal's, I believe. Um, but they handed the ball off to six different people, and Tony Pollard only got the ball 11 times and only had 47 yards in a game where they won 38-3. to three. Um, Jake Ferguson was their leading target. Oh, this is what I wanted to talk about, Timmy. Um, I was listening to our beloved fantasy footballers, and they were discussing... Michael Gallup and how he could be a good flex play against the Niners because the Niners secondary is kind of middle of the pack in terms of fantasy points allowed. They're ranked 14th. Um, CD lamb last week was targeted six times, had four receptions and a touchdown, but you can expect the Niners to focus on him of course in the secondary, but it's going to be probably a game where especially the Cowboys are going to need to throw the ball. And if we're going to, cover cd lamb the best michael gallup could be open he had six targets and five receptions last week while brennan cooks only had four and four for a measly 27 yards so it's just funny to hear michael gallup being a a potentially good option against the niners (laughs) like I, i love that i love that that's what that's what they're looking at here um but that's that's what i got looking ahead to this cowboys game um, it's an exciting one. Timmy, we said we were going to get back to it, 
and we didn't quite get back to it. So let's wrap up our episode by talking about how Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys and the gentleman, he's everything for the Cowboys, right? He said, and he is. I assume believes, he said that the NFC runs through the Niners. Now, I love I think the that. respect. Of course, we think that, but I love that other people are thinking that. So finally, the Niners are getting some of the respect that they have earned and deserve. But the Cowboys owner is saying days before he plays the Niners, yeah, the NFC runs through the Niners. Like, yes, we know the Niners are, are having a better season than the Cowboys, but he's just saying, like, th- that to me was shocking because, yes, he's giving the Niners the, the respect they deserve, but what a time to do that days before your team plays them. And I just don't see that being a big boost in confidence if I'm a Cowboy He's trying to give his player. own team bulletin board material. I think Bulletin the truth is Jerry material. Jones just says whatever enters his mind at any given moment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's three teams in the NFC right now, really, right? It's the it's us, it's the Niners, it's the Eagles, and it's the Cowboys. Those are the three elite teams in the NFL. Obviously, the Cowboys kind of laid an egg against the Cardinals two weeks ago, but I, I really wonder if maybe the Trayvon Diggs injury kind of messed up their emotions. They were coming in in a weird emotional state. So I don't know. I'm kind of willing to write that one off. This is going to be a great game. Sunday Night Football, if you're not there, record it. Make sure you are watching. This game is going to be excellent, going to be a really, really fun battle between two of the NFL's, two of the NFC's best right now. And so that's going to be really, really fun. Definitely make sure to clear your schedules to to watch that game. Yeah, so we're really excited about that, but it's going to it's gonna be a good one. This is going to be a good one. It most certainly is. Well, like we said, listeners, set your DVRs. Uh, Daniel, want to make some bold predictions before we, uh, before we wrap up? I do. Um, I do, and I had it as we were talking, and I, of course I can't remember the specific I was going to say Christian McCaffrey four touchdowns, but since he just did that, I thought that might be kind of boring and not very bold, so I'll come up with something else. Part of me wants to say George Kittle touchdown, but I also was like, is that is that super fun? I, uh, I, I like want, that. I might double down I on mine from the, last week. I'm saying Ronnie Bell touchdown. I like that. I want to say I really want to say Nick Bosa two sacks, George Kittle touchdown, and we win by over two touchdowns. I like that. Those are all the things I'm. Can you parlay that? Uh, sure, would like to. I might have to go check that out and make sure that I can. <laughs> but that's that's a wrap for us. Fun fun things incoming. Yeah. Thanks for, for tuning in, listeners. We're glad to be back and uh, enjoy this game. And as always, stay safe out there, everybody. Yeah, yeah I got to run. Thank you, dude. I'll uh, upload this right after my meeting.